Guitarathon is the greatest guitar sale on earth, and it's happening now. Get massive savings on a huge selection of electric and acoustic guitars, basses, amps, pedals, and other accessories. Save up to $450 on a Gibson Les Paul Studio Deluxe, up to $900 on a Gibson Les Paul Trad Pro 4, or save up to 20% on other select Gibson guitars. Plus, get special financing on select major brands. Don't miss these incredible deals. Available online and in-store, now through November 1st. Guitarathon, only at Guitar Center. Find your sound. You are locked on, locked on, locked on Hornets. Your daily Charlotte Hornets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome into Locked On Hornets. It's Hornets talk for the hardcore fan on this Wednesday, a game night, a post-election day edition of Locked On Hornets. For some of you, this is going to be a further celebration. And for others, this could be a little bit of reprieve. But I, I'll tell you one thing, and David, I, I'm sure you'll agree, it's it's time to talk some basketball. It's time to, uh, however you feel about this thing, it's been a long, uh, hard-fought uh, intense, heavily covered election, and it's good to just let's talk about something else for a second. Yeah, I mean, we'll start the next election. What uh, that'll ramp up? What next week? So and we right about, back in the flow. Yeah, in about ten minutes, I think. Uh, <laughs> yeah, right after this show, then. I'm doing a 2020 election special. So <laughs> uh, check that out on NPR. There we go. Until then, yeah, I mean, we might as well talk some basketballs, but. All right, we're coming to you from the Gittimer.com studios in BEA, beautiful uptown Charlotte. And uh, we are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Go to iTunes, search Locked On, and find podcasts on the NFL, golf, fantasy sports. It's the fastest growing podcast network in this entire world. Okay, Hornets tip things off tonight, 7 o'clock p.m. against the Utah Jazz. They are looking uh, to get another home victory and to extend... Uh, their win streak to uh, what uh, three and go to six and one, which would further uh, be you know extend that record start that they are off to now, and uh, it would be another big win against another really good team, David. Yeah, a really good team and another team out west that a lot of people had uh, you know picked as to make some noise. I mean, you saw them as high as fourth, I think. Maybe maybe some of you guys saw them higher. Let us know. Tweet us at Locked On Hornets if you did. But uh, you know, another team that's on the up and up on the uh, is on the is on, on the come on up, the so rise on the rise. So, and they've had some impressive wins so far. You know, anytime you beat the Spurs, uh, that's uh, a notch on the on the bedpost for you to look at. So, uh, they yeah. are they're a good team, Doug. And we've been eyeing this week, right? So, you know, you get them coming across country, which uh, and at home, which should help the Hornets. But uh, it'll be a good match. But they play; they've played well on the road. They've gotten a couple of road mm-hmm. wins, and they're dealing with some injuries as well. I want to dial up our good friend. We're going to do this live. This is something we don't normally do, but I want to dial up our good friend Amar Smith from SLCDunk.com, the SB Nation blog on the Utah Jazz. Let's get let's get him on the line. Hello, good morning. Hello, Amar. How are you? I'm doing great. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, we've got you in here. We're, we're going to talk some basketball. We want to talk about the Utah Jazz, a team that, uh, you know, it's out west, so I don't know how familiar uh, our listeners are with what's going on in Utah, but they, they were sort of a darling pick in the offseason, uh, a pick uh, to get 50 wins to improve from last season. Tell us what's going on in Utah right now. 
Well, it, it's a revival for sure. After a few years of being in the lottery, the main reason so many people were were giving them this darling status is because they made some big moves in the off season. One of their main problems last year was injuries, and that really exposed their lack of depth. Their uh, GM Dennis Lindsay looks to have fixed the depth issue by adding a bunch of really good Eastern Conference players that you're more than familiar with, Joe Johnson. You know, he's been a killer out on the East for a long time. Oh, yeah, I know that guy. And they have been... Yeah, exactly. You've seen him a few times. (laughs) And George Hill. And they're really, really paying off so far. And uh, last but not least, Boris Diaw, who we have not seen enough yet because he's currently injured. But, you know, he's playing Charlotte. You know what he's all about. I've been hearing there's sort of a revolving door of injuries going on in Utah right now because you guys get Gordon Hayward back. You get Derek Favors back. But now there's some question marks around George Hill, your your new point guard, and also a guy you mentioned, Boris Diaw, off the bench. There may be some issues with him injury-wise. Do you have anything uh, on their availability? Boris Diaw is still out, and he's going to be out for a while. And that's okay because it gives the Utah Jazz a little bit more opportunity to test the waters by going small, which is something they need to do against a lot of teams out east, but definitely not Charlotte. For George Hill, I kind of think that that he'll be available to play tonight if um, if everyone thinks it's okay for him to play. Because Utah is on a five-game road trip right now. They have a back-to-back left in Florida. If they can give him another day or two of rest, I think he'll really appreciate it. But this is also a big game uh, for, for Utah because they want to continue – uh, their road stretch that they've been on, and and they weren't they weren't a great road team last season. What what's changed because they've been able to pick up some early road wins? What's the what's the story around the locker room in terms of that? It's really about these veterans, these guys who know how to actually play in games that matter and win them. Utah has been kind of treading water outside of Utah for a long time because they just had young guys who were more accustomed to being emotional players listening to that home crowd and, you know, getting up for that. On the road, it's a whole different animal because it's you against the world. These guys like Hill or Joe Johnson, these are guys who can win in any NBA arena. So having that really helps. When you talk about Quinn Snyder and what he's been able to do in his tenure there in Utah, what kind of style and strategy has he been trying to implement in Utah? And uh, is is this season going to be the, the culmination of that effort? Well, like his style is definitely a, a throwback. It's very, very slow. It's half court. And, you know, they've been going big when other teams are going small and vice versa. So it, it's, it's more like an 80s, 90s ball, like, I would have loved to see this Utah Jazz front court with Derek Favors and Rudy Gobert go up against Larry Johnson and Alonzo Mourning. Like, that would have been fun. Um, we're not ever going to be able to see that unless Zoe and LJ uh, mend their relationship. But <laughs> even then, it's unfair. Uh, as a result, Utah's their pace is slow. They like to grind things down. And like, I don't know if it's... It seems to be zigging when the rest of the NBA is zagging for the most part. It's defense first instead of offense. They are shooting more threes, which is definitely something which is in line with the current trends, but 
you know, it, it's going to be an interesting experiment to see how far they can get by being kind of old school. You mentioned, though, Jazz might get George Hill back, and uh, he's been very impressive. Western Conference Player of the Week. He's averaging 20 points, five assists. What has made him so successful moving from Indiana to Utah? I think uh, getting rid of the, the blonde hair dye is definitely the, the main <laughs> Step one. I don't think that would play well. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think it's the fact that he's playing on a team that probably caters to his strength. When he was in Indy, when Indy was really good, they had a very strong system. They were a team where guys kind of knew what they were doing on the court, and there was this type of um, you know, equality in ball sharing. When they deviated back to doubling down on guys like Monte Ellis and Paul George, it kind of took the ball out of his hands. In Utah, especially early on with Hayward out, they put the ball back in his hands and he's been able to share it with guys like Rodney Hood, who we haven't talked about yet. And you know, it's really worked out. He's, he's picked his spots and I think it's because he's a more mature George Hill than he used to be. And it's really showing. Well, you talk about Rodney Hood. How good do you think Hood can be this season? Because he showed flashes of promise last season. Um, but uh, do you, do you think he becomes a fully formed uh, a role player for the Jazz this season, and uh, what what role is he playing? I've been probably a little bit harsher on Hood than a number of other Jazz observers. I think he was kind of one-dimensional in his first two years. As he's just basically a really streaky shooter. Like one day he's going to look really bad, and you know next week he's going to win a game for you with his hot shooting. So, and I guess that's something that young players have to figure out how to be consistent every day. He is shooting a little bit more consistently, but what I'm really seeing from him is that in games where he's not, you know, a dominant offensive force, he's finding good reasons to still be out on the court. You know, he's finding reasons for Quinn Snyder to keep playing him. And that's something that we haven't seen. He's really improved his defensive rebounding. You know, he still gets maybe close to a steal here or there, but, for the most part, he keeps the offensive flow going. He doesn't, you know, it's like in football, like you can have a guy who's just going to run and just die with the pill instead of being a team player. You know, he's a guy who's willing to share right now, and it's really helping. Um, on the defensive side, Rudy Gobert is a force, and I mean, the Jazz defend the paint probably better than anyone in the league. What, and I don't know that fans get to see a lot of, of Gobert or have seen him, and maybe outside of the Olympics. Um, of course, I can see him on League Pass if they tune in there. But tell us a little bit about how his game has expanded, if it has at all. Um, and has he become that just defensive anchor that, that the Jazz count on night in, night out? I definitely think he is the, the defensive anchor because you notice when he's out of the game, things tend to go bad for for the way the defense is all organized. <laughs> He's yeah. uh he's that guy who's in the middle. He he's vocal. He's trying to tell people where to be on the court, and he kind of has the rest of the guys funneling drivers to him. And you know he's defensively he's a, he's a good rim protector. He's someone who's changing a lot of shots as well. He may not get you know he's not like Roy Hibbert who can just destroy people all by himself when he's on. But um, right now he he's working on it. And by working on it, I mean, defensively, you can trust him. Offensively, he's still working. You know, he's a, he's a project. 
he doesn't have a go-to post move like a, a number of big men used to. Like, you know, back in the old days when you'd be drafted as a big man, you'd already have three post moves that you could rely on. Man, things have changed. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But he's working what on his free throws too. Sorry for that. Okay. Yeah. So, so the offensive game is still coming around, I guess. What's the uh, what's the go-to nickname for him? Is it Stifle Tower? Um, I know there's a few out there. Well, the the Utah media loves Stifle Tower. Uh, I gotta give props to the Desert News beat reporter uh, reporter Jody Gennessy for that. Apparently, he likes Gobzilla. So, yeah. ooh, ooh, Gobzilla. Well, we have well, Cody. You know, Cody Zeller, uh, the current starting center, while. Roy Hibbert recovers. See, we refer to him as God Zeller. So we could have God Zeller oh, versus oh God Zilla. Amazing. This is the best news <laughs> I've heard all day. Which sounds I'm gonna write like seven blog posts about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you I don't know if I don't know if there was ever a Godzilla movie that that featured two Godzillas. Uh I, I feel like there has to have been one. But we're going to have a game with uh Godzilla versus Gobzilla. It's going to be tough to say, but it will be fun to watch. Because I and, and I honestly mean that because I think I had my doubts about how well Zeller would play against Hassan Whiteside, and there were certainly moments where Zeller struggled to both defend Hassan Whiteside's post game, but also um, get him into foul trouble in the same way that Al Jefferson was able to do successfully last season. Zeller played well against Hassan Whiteside, so I think David. Uh, you may back me up on this. You may disagree with this, but I think that game against Hassan Whiteside provides some promise uh, that Zeller can uh, compete. His offensive game can compete against Gobert's defensive strengths. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean a pretty good comparison there. I think it's always going to be tough for Cody. Uh, I guess these long, super long guys like Gobert and and Whiteside that can really athletically get out and defend. Um, but yeah, you're right. I mean, there's there's reason for hope there because he did have some success, and more importantly, he didn't back down. I don't see Gobert sitting on him or you know uh, driving his face into the floor with an elbow. I don't know, maybe not. Oh, no. But uh, yeah. right, Gobert doesn't have some of those same same kind of quirks that, and that's putting it lightly, quirks that Hassan Whiteside has. So yeah, there won't. I, I don't. I don't know. That, that doesn't. There may not be that same kind of animosity or physicality. In, in that matchup. Uh, I want to go back to uh, the, the guard situation there in Utah because you have Dante Exum, who is reco- recovered last season from the ACL injury and uh, is now a, a star player on this team. How has the relationship between Exum and George Hill played out? Has it been uh, satisfactory? Is it is it exceeding expectations in Utah? Well, what Dennis Lindsay has tried to do is is get a mentor for each of these younger players. So for Dante Axum, definitely he's a, he's a guy who can guard more than one position. And we're seeing that that's something George has done. Similarly with Trey Lyles, uh, they got Borisky out, who's kind of like a face up power forward. And I could go down the list. Rodney Hood is supposed to be someone who can look up to Joe Johnson as a finisher. But I think the, the Axum thing is that he's happy to be on the court even if it means that he's backing up a you know a mm-hmm. capable point guard. Do they play it, them together like do they play guard. them together at all in any kind of rotational situation? Well, I have not seen a lot of them on the court together, but Quinn Snyder is playing a lot of point guards together mainly because there were so many injuries to wing players 
Hayward was out. Um, Alec Burks continues to be out. So you're getting a lot of Sheldon Mack and Dante together, and um, in some cases, uh, Howell Neto and Dante as well. Right, uh, and it seems like he's playing more shooting guard, but he's definitely someone who needs to figure things out at point still. He's so young. When you look at this matchup, Amar, by the way, talking to Amar Smith here from slcdunk.com, the uh, Utah Jazz blog on espionation.com. Amar, when you look at this matchup, if help me finish this sentence. If, if the Utah Jazz do blank, they can beat the Charlotte Hornets. And if the Utah Jazz don't do blank, they'll lose. If the Utah Jazz face the floor and hit threes, they can win. And that's a very new thing in Utah, being able to win without such shooting. If the Utah Jazz don't... This is the real hard part. If the, if the Utah Jazz didn't learn that Kemba Walker can torture your team and win by all himself, then they're <laughs> definitely going to lose. I, I still remember that game. I think it was an overtime or double overtime game last year. Kemba had 52 points. Double OT. Yeah, 62 something. It's just, he's just so good. Yeah, it was it was an amazing game, and we talked about it on the last show. Uh, it was, uh, in our opinion, one of Kimba Walker's best games uh, in Charlotte. So it will be interesting, especially if George Hill can't go and Kimba Walker has to go up against, I guess, Mac would get the start in that situation. Yeah, which is like, you know, <laughs> we were going to fight a war against America, but they didn't show up, so we'll fight a war against Canada's army? Come on, buddy. <laughs> right, it's it's a steep, it's a little bit of a steep drop off. Exactly. What what is it? Like moose with BB guns? I don't know. <laughs> Something like that. Uh, Amar Smith, thank you so much for joining us here uh, on Locked On Hornets. We really appreciate it. You guys are awesome. Thank you so much. Go Hornets. Go Jazz. <laughs> Great stuff there from our good friend, Amar, who knows everything there is to know about the Utah Jazz. Should be an interesting matchup, David, because both of these teams, the Charlotte Hornets and the Utah Jazz, are are trying to get off to a good start, but they are dealing with some injuries, but both teams offer a good depth. And so, you know, if, if I think the key point there that it is what we talked about there at the end, though, if George Hill cannot go and the Utah Jazz have to play Shelvin Mack, then Kimba Walker now faces what seems like his fifth straight really good point guard matchup. And and I think it's played a, a key role in building his confidence early this season that he has not so I, I think he was he's he was probably going to play well regardless of the point guard matchup on offense. But I think defensively he the, he just hasn't been challenged as much and so he's he's been able to play well better than I thought defensively uh, be, because of some of the matchups. So that's that's fueled things as well. What do you think? Yeah, probably what the Celtics game was his biggest challenge. Obviously, mm-hmm. I would say right off the top of my head. Yeah, defensively. Yeah, defensively, um, he got torched in that game. Yeah, so that was a struggle there. But certainly without um, without Hill, that'd be a big check in the you know that'd be that'd be. That'd be a good thing for the Charlotte Hornets fans out there if he couldn't go. Um, it's interesting, Doug. I mean, neither one of these teams uh, really rack up the fast break points. Utah is third to last in fast break points. Hornets aren't much better, just about eight spots out of the cellar. So, you know, we mentioned pace a little bit. 
Um, the Hornets do get the third most points off of turnovers in the league. Um, so we'll see how that kind of matches out. I mean, the Jazz, when they win, score up over 100 points. And when they don't, you know, they're, they're, they dip much lower into the 80s. So I think, again, the start of this game is going to be big because you got a team coming in on the road. You've had a day off at home. And if they can get off to another fast start, especially if some of these injuries play out, that's going to be key for the Hornets. And I know they're going to look to do that again. It'll be interesting to see, you know, kind of who's matching up on MKG, who's matching up on Marvin, some of those other guys to see if they can try and find a mismatch like they did the other night. Look, I, I know that the Hornets don't like to play aggressively on the ball, and they don't they don't necessarily go into a game thinking we're going to be aggressive on shooters either. It's a much the defense is much more uh, uh, towards denying paint points. But when you play mm-hmm. a team that features Derek Favors and Rudy Gobert, they offer size, but I don't know if they offer the skill inside that other teams offer. So I think the Hornets should focus their defense on keeping Gordon Hayward out of the paint and keeping Rodney Hood from, we heard Amar there, he's a streaky shooter. Keep Rodney Hood from getting on a streak. Keep Rodney Hood essentially Mm -hmm. from doing what Avery Bradley did to you uh, against Boston. And a lot of that, uh, what Bradley did, was was predicated on Boston getting into the paint. So you keep Gordon Hayward out of the paint, you keep George Hill out of the paint if he plays, and and you know hopefully that uh, doesn't allow Rodney Hood. Because the thing is, you heard Amar, if they hit threes, because they need to hit threes because they need to score, as you said, they need to score over 100. But this isn't a team that's necessarily built to come into a yeah. game and automatically hit three-pointers. The the situation has to be right. And if you're the Hornets, you're at home, you're defending your home court, you have to come out with that same kind of energy and intensity on defense that you came out with against Indiana. And David, I thought the defense against the Pacers was a lot more aggressive than I'm particularly used to seeing out of the Charlotte Hornets. I think they saw something in it in the way Indiana was playing early and maybe saw something on tape that they could expose. But I say, put the pedal to the metal. Keep go- If this election taught us anything, it's put the pedal as far to the metal as you possibly can and, and never let up. And I think that has to be the defensive mentality against Utah. <laughs> yeah, I was just trying to <laughs> digest that, digest that metaphor. Well, yeah, disagree with me. I mean, that's to me. That's the, been the know. tenor of this election is just um, you know go as as fast and and hard as you can and uh, don't apologize for the, anything. Hey, and, say the first thing that comes to your mind and then stick to it. <laughs> if that doesn't work, go against it. Either one, right? Uh, uh, but what I'm yeah, saying is, stay I, aggressive. That's that's my whole point to that. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I agree with that. But yeah, you're right. Uh, super I, said, I said we're not going to get political. <laughs> you're ba- you're baiting <laughs> me. You're baiting me into this, David. Don't do it. I'm going to debunk all of this, Doug. I'm going to debunk it. Uh, you know, that's word. We, we won't hear for another maybe four years. But who knows? Maybe, maybe we will. It always comes around debunked. Hey, you debunked. had some, you had some data on this game. Give me some more data. You got any more numbers? You want some more numbers for the Hornets right now? A couple of interesting uh, notes for you guys out there. Second in the NBA in net rating are the Hornets behind the Los Angeles Clippers. Second in the NBA in assist-to-turnover ratio behind Boston. You know, that's a big one, obviously. The Hornets do not turn it over a lot. That's been a staple of the Steve Clifford era. Uh, third in the NBA in defensive rebound percentage. That's been another one of note. 
And then deflections, Doug, we talked about it the other day. Clifford always emphasizes it fourth in the NBA in deflections. And interestingly enough, Doug, you mentioned those uh, contested perimeter shots. The Hornets are first in the NBA in contested three-point shots. I would not have guessed that just by watching the game. And again, it's early, guys. But, hey, those are some encouraging numbers for your Charlotte Hornets and a big reason why they are off to the start they are off to. Yeah, well, I think, and I think part of that is they've played a few teams that are yeah. that that aren't necessarily great at moving the ball or great at getting open three point shots, and so there have been more opportunities. But they also, I mean, they they have a lot of I mean, their whole thing is based on recovering quickly, and uh, they have players that can do that. And, and I think one guy to watch in this one in terms of health for the Hornets. Should mention injury wise, Roy Roy Hibbert questionable for this game. Uh, he th- they were trying to target Wednesday for tonight for a return, um, but that knee still bothering him, still swollen. He was able to do some things on Monday, but he'll be a game time decision. MKG uh, still list <clears throat> still listed as questionable. We'll get an update uh, closer to tip on his status, but I think that's the injury to watch MKG because I think he'll be important to slow down Gordon Hayward early. And uh, otherwise, I don't know what the it's it's going to be interesting to see what the Hornets do, because I I would, you know, if everyone was healthy and MKG were out, I'd say, okay, this is easy. Put Jeremy Lamb in. You slide Batum over to three and and you leave Marco on the bench because Marco is going to be your your sixth man kind of offensive catalyst on the bench. But if MKG were to go down in this situation without Lamb, then I think you probably look at moving Marvin to three, Frank at four, Zeller at five. Again, just to keep you keep Marco on the bench uh, to have some kind of guard play, you know, off the bench. I would think that to me that makes the most sense if MKG were not able to go. Mm, yeah, basically, hopefully MKG's okay to go. That's that's the whole that's, thing. That's a, that's it's going to be a tough ride. Yeah, it's going to be tough, and, and not just that he's okay to go. Honestly, it's is is he uh, because I saw again, I saw him play in that second half after he came back. It was a question whether he was going to come back in that in that last contest, and he didn't have the same freedom of movement that I'm used to seeing him have. And if he doesn't have that, a guy like Gordon Hayward is going to expose that. So that's that's the injury to watch for me. If MKG's not able to go, I think it sends a ripple effect down in the Hornets rotation that could lead uh, to their second loss of the season. We should mention, too, that, that Cleveland lost, David. So now the Hornets and yep. the Cavs uh, sitting atop the Eastern Conference. So, Hello. Hey, en- enjoy yep. it. Enjoy it, Hornets fans. <laughs> Last thing on this game, Doug, or, you know, we got some more stuff. We got some more stuff, but I think we're still figuring out who these teams are. You look at some of the wins that uh, the Jazz have had, and you take away the Spurs wins, and they've beaten Dallas, the Lakers, and the Knicks and Sixers. So, kind of like the Hornets, right? I mean, I think the you Hornets. You know, it's weird. Have... Like the Lakers are the best. That's the best team. Yeah. Easily. Yeah. yeah. I mean,. So uh, now, now some of those are on the road. You know, they did win at New York and in Philly. We know how feisty Philly can be, but uh, so I, I do think there's still some feeling out period on these teams. So it'll be interesting uh, tonight. I think it's uh, you know you're in the middle of a homestand and you've got a big, big game coming up 
on Friday, I believe, with Toronto. Yeah, so, you got Toronto on uh, Friday, and then you travel to Cleveland for Sunday. So again, if if the Hornets are able to pick this victory up, it in a situation where they are going to have players out. I mean, some you know whether it's Roy Hibbert, MKG, Jeremy Lamb, or a combination of all, there you know the the Hornets will be missing some players. These are important victories to to pick up. And you know, Steve Clifford after the last game kind of downplayed the start a little bit, and I think to a, to a certain extent that's his job is to downplay the start to the media and and keep the focus game to game. But I think it's important that the Hornets rack up these victories when, as Clifford would admit. They don't know exactly what this team is, and if you can pick up victories yeah. when you don't know what this team is, um, when you do get fig- when you do get things figured out, you're going to be that. To me, that's how you. It, teams always go through fifty win teams always go through a period in the season where they're missing two or three rotation guys and they have to switch things up. Sometimes that happens after the All Star break. Sometimes that happens. Uh, you know, a couple months into the season for the Hornets, unfortunately, it's happening, or maybe fortunately, because of the schedule, it's happening at the beginning yeah. of the season. And so this uh, this win would go a long way as they they get geared up, and it would give them some more confidence. I mean, that's what you want to see: building up confidence as you head into a game against Toronto, and then hopefully, fingers crossed. The Hornets are as healthy as they can be. Still going to be without Lamb, most likely for that game against Cleveland on Sunday. But you know, you hopefully get MKG back. You hopefully get Roy Hibber back, and then uh, you can go into Cleveland with everything you got. So it's going to be it's going to be a fun week. Um, and you know, the 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 world the world is full of 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 promise and hope, at least in Hornets basketball. <laughs> That's right. Thanks for sticking with us this morning, guys. If you tuned in here for some thing, <laughs> I hope we provided it. I don't know. I was all over the place, Doug. So you, you and Amari. It was a lot. Here's the home. thing. <clears throat> Excuse me. You can tell in my voice it's been, it was a long night. So, uh, yeah, yeah. Th- thank you for, for hanging with us here on uh, Locked on Hornets. That's all the time we have. We'll be back tomorrow with a full recap and uh, post-game sound and everything that you've come to expect from the single best source of Hornets talk in Charlotte. Thanks so much for listening to Locked on Hornets. Enjoy the game tonight. Follow us on Twitter at Locked on Hornets, where we will be live tweeting the game from inside the arena, from inside Spectrum Center. Hope to see you then and talk to you tomorrow. And subscribe to us on iTunes, by the way. Uh, And while you're there, give us a five-star review. Help hardcore Hornets fans like you find this podcast. For David, I'm Doug. Go Hornets. Thanks, Amar. Go America. Still the greatest country in the world, by the way. Let's swarm Charlotte. So what if I like to stay up late and watch TV? Don't blame it on caffeine and then go to Coke and Pepsi. Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details.